anyone can just start listening to that thing that makes them feel good and just trust that with a little bit of detachment and a little bit of consistency, they can do it. They can continue to feel that good feeling. Welcome, yogis, and hello. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 40, big number four zero, with my friend, Gabriel Tavera. This was a special conversation, special interview for me, because Gabe and I have a personal history. Gabe was the person who really encouraged me to start teaching. He's the owner of the studio where um, I taught my first classes, and that really has a special place in my heart. And we did talk about that. But another reason why Gabe and I are kind of um, two peas in a pod is that we both came from an advertising background before we shed all of that to pursue yoga full time. And that's another topic that we go into pretty in depth in this conversation, not so much specifically around the actual career of advertising or anything that comes with that, but more so about what's universal in that experience of listening to the voice inside you that's calling for something different and being willing to hear it even when it's scary. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. In this episode, you're going to hear us talk about the lifelong path of self-correction through listening to the quiet voice inside. Gabe and I talk about how to get comfortable with fear and use it to catapult you forward. Gabe shares the three-phase process inherent to facing and surpassing all inevitable conflicts in life. And then finally, he kind of talks about his vision for the future and what he's doing to give yoga away for free. So please stay tuned through these announcements, and we'll dive into this conversation with Gabriel Tavera. Yogis, I have a few workshops and events coming up in the New York City area that I hope that you can join me for. On January 26th, I'll be teaching a hips and twists workshop at Three Jewels NYC. If you'd like to sign up, go to henrywins.com events. If you'd like to dive deep into your yoga practice and yoga study, I have a couple of options for you coming up in the new year at Lighthouse Yoga School in Brooklyn, New York. In January, we are leading a 200-hour teacher training, and there are still a couple spots left if you'd like to sign up for that. In February, we are doing a shorter four-day immersion. This is a great option if you aren't so interested in teaching, but you want to learn all the things that we learn in a teacher training, posture clinics, personal sadhana, spiritual practice, and obviously lots of asana class. Either of those two events you can sign up for at henrywins.com slash events. And if you enter the code henrywins on your application, you will save a significant amount of money off the tuition. So check it out and sign up if that's of interest. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. 
Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm very lucky to have my friend Gabe Tavera on the line. Gabe is a Mexican yogi, homegrown in Texas. Gabe put himself through the advertising program at UT, started his agency career at age 20, earned an MBA from UTSA at age 22, and was managing multi-million dollar ad campaigns by age 23. When he found yoga at age 24, he immediately turned away from his business endeavors and material possessions. Six years later, Gabe moved back to Austin, Texas with nothing to his name and went on to found Yoga East Austin in 2013. Ever since, he has been doing everything possible to help others help themselves (laughs) unplug and follow their hearts. Gabe, thank you for joining me today. Happy to have you on here. How's it going? Pretty good, Henry. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, little background information for the listeners. Gabe was really the person who urged me to start teaching, so I owe him a lot of gratitude for that. I, I didn't feel that I was ready at the time, and when are you ever really ready or feel ready for the things that you ultimately feel are really supposed to happen? So, Gabe, thank you for that. Thanks, thanks. Uh, uh, you know, I think like the whole teaching thing, I never wanted to be a teacher when I went to the teacher training, the first one that I went to, and I didn't think that it was going to be something that I was, I was, I was going to do, but then somehow serendipitously one person or another sort of encouraged me, pushed me to like do that first class, and then just sort of took off from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I, I know the, the feeling of like, you definitely never are ready. Um, and yet but you I are. do, but but yet you are because if you love yoga and if like the practice of yoga is something that's very like uh, giving, you know, to you, and it's something that you feel that continues to draw your attention, and you continue to go back to, and sort of like just put yourself in the place where you're like, this is this is this is a schedule, this is a life, this is sort of like an environment that allows me to just continue to do that then you're already sort of like building, you know, blocks for a lifetime of yoga. And if you have a lifetime of yoga in you and as many yoga blocks there, you want to, you know, share that. You want to share that with people. Like, you know, teaching what you know is like such a huge thing and like self-awareness and growth and part of the thing that like you're doing, you know. Um well, it, speaking of, of giving and sharing, you know, typically I like to ask this question with no context, but it's such a perfect segue and I don't want to miss it. Let me ask you this. What does the word Dharma mean to you and what is your Dharma as you understand it today? Uh, dharma, the way I've understood it from, you know, my friends like yourself and, you know, listening to the other people uh, talk about what their dharma is, just basically what you were born to do, right? Like what your purpose is, what fuels you and what you, you know, at the same time, you know, gives as much to you as you give to it. Like it's um, the the oneness of what, what and why you are here, you know, like the the the, the one thing that you can put yourself into the organic flow of like life and then just allow it to just take you and you go with it and one day you wake up and you're like yeah this this is the feeling that i've been nurturing 
that mm-hmm. I thought was me at the core, you know? Yeah. Um, and, if, you know, man, that could be so many things for so many people. You know, I guess, what, there's like almost 8 billion people. Mm-hmm. There's like almost 8. Yeah. yeah, there could almost be like 8 billion dharmas, you know, <laughs> I think. You know, it's like when we're all like stars and like gods in this like epic, like, you know, future, <laughs> like it's going to be all of that. Right. Right. And, yeah. you know, something that you said a minute ago that um, I want to pick pick apart a little bit and, and maybe unpack is one day you wake up and you realize. And before we turned on the recording, you know, Gabe and I were talking about kind of our own personal paths and how we've landed where we are. And it is one of those things where you don't really see the incremental steps if you're super close to it until you take a moment to reflect many years back or, you know, whatever the time frame is, you look back and you see just how much has changed. So when it comes to your personal experience, Gabe, when you look back, what has been, you know, the, the transformation that you've seen for yourself that you feel really defines your dharma? Uh, wow. Um, you know, I think just sort of like what we were talking about earlier, where you get this inkling of what you need to do, and, and then you just sort of start feeding that on a consistent and daily basis, whether it's through yoga, asana, taking a walk in the park, or just taking a moment to close your eyes and think and feel that feeling, you know? Um, and so for me, it was, it was peace, you know? It was like, how do I practice having peace, like on a consistent and daily basis? Um, and, and, and by just trying to be a little less angry every day and making an, an effort and like as difficult as it was, like acknowledging and seeing when I was angry and I made poor choices, like, holy shit. How do I continue tomorrow without, you know, making a little less or maybe not doing that again? Um, then I got closer to my dharma. And, and so I think the one thing to pinpoint is just the moment that I realized that, like, I was young and life is long. And that if I consistently start to just feed the goodness and this thing in my life that I want to happen for the purpose of having peace, being less angry. You know, it wasn't even like serving others. Like it had nothing to do with anyone else. It was just like, what is, what is it, you know? Then that's when like my real dharma really started to like take place. So just kind of acknowledging that moment and then consistently day in, day out, just try to do a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you take us back to that that moment around, well, in your intro, is at age 24, after you had already sort of established yourself in a career where you felt you were making progress and, um, you know, really making moves and being recognized for it. What happened there that made you turn away from that path and, and go a different direction? Um, it got boring real fast. You know, you're sort of conditioned, especially myself, sort of, you know, growing up in El Paso and, um, you know, my family and I migrating here from Mexico City 
to El Paso when I was a kid. You know, we like more than anyone else were like eating the American dream. You know, um, my dad was a businessman, affluent businessman from Mexico. So, you know, to come to America and live the Reagan dream was like a big deal for all of us. You know, the Yankees are my favorite team. My brothers like the Lakers. I like the Bulls. You know, Cowboys. People ask me like, why do you like these teams? You're not, you know, you've never even been in New York. Well, it's because it was like America's teams. So like, I putting myself through school and 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 just sort of trying to, you know, get scholarships and 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 do the thing and and always working hard with the work ethic that my father put in me. You know, it opened up a lot of doors really quickly for me. And so I think the early success and the track that you follow, if you do have early success, uh, truths start to get exposed real quick. And then you have to make really strong choices. You know, like if you have success at something that maybe isn't your dharma, eventually you're going to realize that something's going to give and it's going to take a piece out of you, whether it's physically or emotional or spiritually, whatever it is, you're going to feel that. And so I think the better I got at my job and the more rewards I was able to produce for myself, um, ironically enough, the more truth I realized that it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what made me happy. Mm. Um, and, and, and so like, I think that's why I said it, I sort of got bored, you know, like it was, it was like I had had enough. And I think like I told you earlier, like enough for me, you know, just to be clear, was when the, the therapist lady was like, you really got to stop smoking weed. You know, you can't <laughs> become in a therapy if you're still smoking weed. And as a matter of fact, you should start taking these. And she tried to prescribe me pharmaceutical drugs. And, and I just remember thinking like, wow. Has it, has it really come down to this, you know, that there's a person out there that's qualified to be a doctor to say that this is something that I need. And, and there was always something inside of me that believed that there, there wasn't ever, like, there's a Sopranos episode that I saw a long time ago when I was a kid. You know, if you looked at the early Sopranos episodes, they're, like, they're really old. <laughs> and, and so uh, one of the characters, I think Christopher, he, he, he had, like, some sort of issues it wasn't a chemical solution to a spiritual problem. And for some reason, and all of the violence and all of the shit and the reason that I like the show and everybody else liked the show, that, that's something that stuck with me. And so, like, I remember thinking that quote from that show, like, is there, there isn't, you know? Like, if, if there's something that irritates you and creates anger and madness and, like, something that you're not happy with, like, there isn't a chemical solution for that. There might be. It could be very drastic, you know? Like, I'm just speaking from my own experience. I believe that it, that it, it wasn't that bad for me and that I could start making better choices to sort of circumvent going down that path. And immediately coming out of that office, I think the next day I took my first yoga class. It was... a uh, a Bikram hot yoga class. And, and I think the first maybe four or five classes, it was just kind of like at the end of the class, this is it. You know, like 
this is it. Like, this is the happiness pill, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. And, and I'm very grateful, you know, I'm very lucky that that happened when that happened. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's, that that's a powerful wake up call, you know, to, to have, like you said, to have someone who's got the certifiable authority to be telling you what to do, you know, to, to make yourself feel better and feel happier and feel more satisfied. And their solution is one that doesn't sit well with you. And, and you just think, okay, well, then I got to take this back into my own hands. And what can I do? Take a hard look at my life and see what's not sitting right. What's, what's really at the cause of this? Oh, dude. And just to like, just so you know, that happens like many times later, like fast forward in the future. Like I've, I've had doctors make me sign papers where it's like, if you die, you can't blame it on us because they try to take an appendix out. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> like I'm fine. My appendix is fine. You're not taking that out. And, and I go home and I take a hard look at myself and I figure, and I figure that out, you know? So like that will sort of continue to pre- repeat itself. That's the thing, you know, that if you don't and you're not on your best Dharma game for yourself, you know, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to continuously be tested. You know, just if, that's the thing. If you're really following your path many times down the road there's going to be many doctors that are going to try to throw drugs at you, might, you know <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. and then you just i sound like a maniac but you know it's just yeah l- like... let me just say listeners we are not medical <laughs> professionals and legally i should say we are not qualified to give medical advice but i can definitely relate to everything you're saying gabe you know it's like the physical and emotional and all this stuff like they're so much more connected than a lot of people give it credit for and we can do a lot of work on self-diagnosis just by practicing yoga and doing other sorts of awareness practices. It yeah, doesn't have to be, yeah. be yoga. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the bigger point. Yeah. Um, so you said that your first yoga class was Bikram class. And, um, I know that continues to be a big part of your yoga practice. Um, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about how your practice has changed or evolved over time to, you know, catch up with all the things going on in your life, including opening a studio. There's been so many like, uh, evolutions of, 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 of what's happening in the personal life, the, 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 the things that feed you, the things that you want to do, your personal relationships with people, like everything's constantly on this like evolutionary sort of like line you know, and so I think with that, the yoga that I practice on a daily basis maybe becomes a little less daily and some other practices are introduced, but it's always all complementary. You know, there's nothing that's ever better than the other. There's not one that it, one does more than the other. I mean, I can pinpoint and say I like this class or this practice more for this and I like this more for that, but essentially you, you start to look at it as a whole and as a hard, honest look as to where you are each day and what it is that you require for that day, maybe. Maybe start there, you know? And then from there, maybe you start to set weekly goals and then maybe you start to set monthly goals where they're, like I said, they're in your life or they're in your yoga practice. And then you just listen, you know? You listen and you sit back and you start to see what is it that that my body, my mind is craving. And you're an excellent example of that. You know, you've, you've sort of like evolved when i met you you did you love the hot stuff and you loved it hot you know 
And then, you know, you started meeting people that maybe weren't into not as much hot yoga. And, and then things started to just take off, you know, like everything feeds itself for the positivity of the self itself, you know, what it is that you're doing. Um, and if, and if you spend less time figuring out like, or saying, this is what does it for me this day, or this does it for me this day. And you just sort of have a little faith that over a long period of time, things are going to self-correct and you're going to, you're going to do, and you're going to listen. And that intuition is going to go stronger into what it is that you need that day. Um, then it just sort of starts to happen. And I think earlier when we were talking, you know, I was telling you that, um, we, we teach the hot class here and a lot of people come in for the very first yoga classes. Like, look, this is the beginner's class. It was the beginner's class for me. So I teach other people that it can be the beginner's class for them. I can say the same thing about a lot of the teachers that teach here, you know, um, such as yourself when you first started teaching, you know, um, but it, it's, it's kind of like, this is the hot class. Learn how to like be still in this environment. You know, I think one of the things that's powerful about the Bikram practice is that it's the environment in itself that sort of creates the dynamic benefit of the class. You know, you have to, you have to look at yourself. You have to learn how to be efficient with your thoughts, your movements, your breath. And you have to do it in a heated room while someone's basically you know, telling you what to do incessantly for 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like, that's sort of like slap in the face yoga. No, that's sort of like, <laughs> like, Hey, wake up <laughs> sort of yoga, learn to move your body. Here's some heat and here's some words to help you guide you through that experience. And once you start to feel a little bit more comfortable with that experience and maybe you start to think that you're pretty good at yoga because, you know, we all go through that. Like <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, hey, hey, look what I can do. You know, I'm good at yoga. Good at yoga. <laughs> then <laughs> look at my standing head to knee pose. Yeah. Yeah. Take a picture of it. Put it on the Internet. Yeah. Um, then then it's like, well, come come check out some of these other classes, you know, and and, you know. They're all going to be different. <laughs> they're, they're probably going to change. You might start liking one and then they'll kind of change. You know, like the other yoga classes at our school is like Hatha. And my Hatha class is very different from Tessa's. Tessa's class is very different from Sakni's class, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, but I think the, the vibe is the same. And it's like, oh, this is a space sort of set aside for us to explore and see what's happening and to sort of turn it into a lab, you know? It's like a secret layer on the east side of Austin. Like I didn't, I built it so far out here so long ago so that I could afford that ability to do it, you know? It was never like about like, oh, let's open a business. No, let's go hide over there and figure our shit out for a little bit. And then hopefully we'll just self-correct every day, <laughs> you know? like. Holy shit, dude, what I just said, you know, you know how long it took me for, for me to like figure that out? You know, we're, we're about to turn five. And so, yeah, if you want to be a yoga teacher, if you want to open up a studio, I guess that's the thing. Like, make it about you, you know, like, take your time. What are you doing? What's making you feel good? Along your journey, are people believing your shit? You know, Tessa took her first class for me 
eight years ago, you know, because we were friends. And I just, I was good at yoga, so I started showing her poses. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and she was like, holy shit, yeah, that's pretty cool. I want to try that, you know. Um, so it just sort of, you know, takes over. Yeah. And you, and, you, ra- and you raise a really good point there about, you know, focusing on yourself. And it seems maybe counterintuitive to, to some people because teaching and all of these, you know, yoga, it really, it is about service. But how can you solve somebody else's problems if you don't even know how to solve your own, you know? Yeah. 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 No, and hopefully, you know, people, you know, I'm saying it, but maybe people already know that, you know, and, and they're just, just kind of like really tuned in to what's going on before they really start um, very specifically telling people what to do, I guess, you know. Yeah. The cool thing about yoga is that, like, it's so broad and everybody can, can, can try it at any moment, at any time, and find inspiration in anything, in any point, on any device or any place, you know, that doesn't even have to be in a yoga room or to, listening to, you know, someone like me. Like, it, it can literally hit you from anywhere now. And that's, that's super cool, you know. I think what you're doing is, is very cool with these talks and just basically showing a little bit of yourself every day. And I know you personally, so like, I know you do the work, you know, like that side by side picture you posted the other days that I sort of reposted were like amazing. Congratulations, by the way, on winning. Like, thank you. You earned every bit of that. Like if, if let's not like everything that I said, like you can apply it to someone like Henry, you know, and Henry, like, kudos and uh it's kind of like it was only a matter of time because i know you and i know you do the work and i know you're self-correcting and you try all the foods and then you try not not the foods and then you try these other things and then you seek out other teachers and you know you're you're like a sponge and then all of that on a daily basis you're you're sort of figuring out what it is that's going to give you the most to live your dharma right and uh and so I think winning is sort of like, it's like, yeah, congrats. But man, you, you were a winner like way before that. <laughs> the whole like, let's just take a pause to, to jump on stage and do some cool postures and just, you know, acknowledge that you're a winner is cool. But like the work, you know, from when I've known you, like you said, you were a student and, and you were working and you were someone that was like, hey, I don't, I don't have this job, whatever. I love yoga. I knew you loved yoga. I, I, you know, I do that. I see people that love yoga so much that I'm just like, hey, when are you going to quit your job and just start doing yoga all the time? <laughs> That's my yeah. thing. That's my thing. I guess if, if, it's, if it's like, what has it gone to? Yes, you do that. Because anyone can do it. You know, that's the, that's the whole purpose of what I wanted to maybe share today is that like, anyone can just start listening to that thing that makes them feel good and just trust that with a little bit of detachment and a little bit of consistency, they can do it. They can continue to feel that good feeling over, 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 and just let it consume their lives forever. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was lucky enough to be able to afford myself to be able to do that when I did. You know, I, I sort of like had stuff, so it took me, I don't know, 25 years to accumulate shit, and it took me four years to get rid of it. You know, and that was kind of like a really sweet process. Like you have stuff and it's just stuff. 
And when you start to just get rid of it and just maybe do this other thing that's been kind of clawing at you forever, um, sooner or later, that's, that's going to be the prize. That's the work that you're in it and you're enjoying it, you know? Super th- cathartic to, to let go of all that extra junk too. Mm-hmm. You know, you said that you, you, that's like, that's your work now is to turn people on to the idea that they can do what makes them happy, you know, what they actually want to be doing, whether their logical mind is willing to admit it or not. You see it first and then you can help steer them in that direction. What would you say to someone who maybe is practicing yoga enough that they are, they do have that, that new heightened awareness to kind of notice that maybe something in their life isn't really fitting into place, but they're still scared. What would you say to that person? Just don't let go of that feeling. Don't ever let the fear overcome that feeling. You're always going to be scared. The fear is always going to be there. Oh my God, I've been shitting my pants for the last five years wondering if like we're still going to be able to practice next week. You know, like fear <laughs> is something you just get comfortable with. You know, like it's always there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just learn how to like kind of kick it next to it and be like, hey, what's up, fear? Fuck, here we are again. You know? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere, and you're obviously not going anywhere. So let's 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 figure out what the next thing is. Let's not focus on us being here in this room together. And then you just sort of start putting things, or working on stuff, or making choices that keep that fear at bay, and it keeps you moving forward and feeling like this is dual. Whatever it is, whether it's teaching yoga opening a business, uh, following a new career path, you know, getting the woman or man of your dreams, like anything, like it's whatever your energy and your mind and, you know, that thing that talks to you is telling you. Um, yeah, that, that reminds me of something that someone told me very early on with, with my teaching when I was nervous before teaching class. And I said, if you're not nervous, it's because you don't care. And I think sort of the same thing can be said about the fear. It's very easy to go through life not being afraid if nothing really is at stake because you don't care about what you're doing. But when you're really doing the thing that drives you and, and gives you passion and gives you energy, gives you life, like you were saying, the thing that like is giving to you, then it's natural to have a little bit of fear. And it's powerful, you know, it's powerful to live alongside that fear. I definitely can relate to what you just said, you know, just like hanging out with fear and being okay with it, being there with you and using it, using it to fuel you. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. You just, you, you just use that fear to like take you to China and do some yoga in front of a bunch of people. Uh, (laughs) Like, holy shit, that is scary as hell, you know? And it's like, it's like if anybody thinks that that's not scary or this whole like yoga competition thing is silly, it's like, well, yeah, maybe the word competition is silly, but like, just, it's a little bit silly. It's but just, <laughs> but, but, but just that, but just that whole like, like, can we acknowledge this? Can we acknowledge that we actually took the time to do this and share this with a bunch of yeah. people in a country with where like the, everybody's watching and, and it's just bringing awareness to more. So it's like, it's so much more bigger than what that word is, you know? And, and like you were saying, yeah. in that fear, you get catapulted into doing great things, you know, cool things. Uh, 
but yeah, just just a little little acknowledgement every day of kind of like, okay, what can I do to make me feel like I, I did a little bit more today and paid attention to the fear a little bit less, mm-hmm. you know. I, shit, one of the things I did, I got a dog, you know, Sacha, you know Sacha, it's like 10 years ago when I was like, okay, I'm going to teach this yoga thing, you know, one of the choices that I made was like, I'm not going to lay in bed longer than I have to. And so when you get a Doberman puppy, all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I got to wake up, take the dog out, otherwise she's going to, you know, piss everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, it's like... Biological alarm clock. Yeah, it's like, I didn't know that that was going to change my life, but it did. You know, and I mean, I kind of did. I was just like, it was a choice. It was, there was an intention there. Like, you know, I want to start being able to get up earlier. Give me a reason to get up and just do the thing and like not lay in bed forever. You know, and, and so it's, it's like, yeah, a little bit of like awareness each day into what can you do to keep the fear sort of linger. Mm-hmm. So, Gabe, Take us to a moment in the past five years running the studio where you felt yourself pressed up against a wall, like where it really got difficult and you hit a conflict. And then what did you do to keep pass to keep moving through? Oh man, Henry, there's, there's so many, you know, <laughs> there's like so many that it's, it's, it's so hard to um, it's so hard to pinpoint one, you know, but I think maybe it doesn't I'll have just, to be the uh, worst one. Well, it could just, well, yeah. well, no, I'm going to pinpoint it by, by the scariest one. Okay. And the one, and the one where it was kind of like, fuck, like this, this might be the end of it, you know? And that was before we even got opened. Um, before we even got opened, there was, uh, a delay in getting open because of the heating system. Um, all of a sudden, we couldn't hang it from the um, the supporting beams that are in the building. Last minute, the structural engineer of the building was like, "You guys cannot do that. It's too heavy, and um, that won't work. You have to put it on the roof." And by putting it on the roof, then we had to build a chase to run the heat down into the first floor because we're, we're in a building with four, three stories above us. And to do the chase, that was going to cost like an extra, I don't know, bunch of money. And we had none. <laughs> you know? So time, time's clicking. That just happened. And so what do you do, you know? It's crazy when all of a sudden, like, you're pressed up against the wall in that sense, and your mind starts racing with the gazillion things, options, worst-case scenarios. All of a sudden, you're seeing impending death upon you, you know? Um, And, you know, in terms of pushing through, it's like with anything else. You just sort of process all those feelings that go through you, that are going to happen, that are going to come up. Um of doom, you know, and then all of a sudden you, it starts to shift into detachment, like, well, fuck it. Time wasn't right. Maybe that wasn't it. And then you start to reflect on what could have maybe been been a little bit different. And you start to soul like self-correction, you know, like look upon yourself as to where things could have been a little bit different, you know? And I think 
it's just a little bit of that. And as soon as like you, the detachment goes and you're just sort of like resolved to that thing that you thought was going to happen, not happening anymore, <laughs> it's, you know, things start to just sort of take shape again. All of a sudden you get like a, you get like a hint, you know, like you get like a, like a thing that, that goes off and you're like, wait a minute, holy shit, what about that one thing? You know, like all of a sudden you, you start thinking clearly about solutions. You start thinking clearly as to what can I do to make things work, you know? It's such a fine balance. And, and, the, and if you can just kind of stay on that thread from, 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 from the beginning to the end and try to, like, get through those three things sooner, you know, because the sooner and the shorter the gaps you go from, like, expecting to, like, just saying fuck it and detaching from yourself from it to, like, allowing the brain space to start finding solutions then the, the, the quicker and the much more smoother life you're going to have, you know, like the much more organic, uh, natural state of, of your existence is going to take place. Mm -hmm. and, and the decisions get easy, you know. So, you know, that's why I use that example from a long time ago, because that was probably the most fearful, that was the most difficult one to get through, the one that made me panic the most, the one that made me hang on to something the most, you know. Yeah. And that because after that, it was just sort of like, well, everything can kind of get easier, you know, and everything just sort of like, OK, well, fuck it. Well, you it know? also sort of that's, sets the precedent. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's like, OK, yeah. I've already been through the worst fear here and and right. it worked out as soon as I just relaxed, as soon as I just surrendered into it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, we've been we've been we've been so lucky and we're so grateful. We have an amazing, you know, community of people. Um, you know, everyone, everyone is just like fucking great. I don't know how else to like change it other than like, we've been very blessed to have the help help us when we needed it. We were open to it and it's taken place. And every day I give gratitude for the space and the people that are here that continue to like feed it and open. And I mean, you're, you're part of a wonderful community at Lighthouse and you've been here and you know there. So I, I know you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just, it's a... It's a communal effort. Yeah. And um, uh, yoga East Austin has got it. And for you, sure. you don't, you, you got to just like sort of a little bit practice detachment and always kind of give back, you know, like just constantly just, you know, the common thread or theme of what we've been talking about is like, just, just be patient and just sit there and just do the work and just wait and just believe and just continue to feed that. You know, it's made all the other decisions like who's going to teach and at what times and how many people do we need to, need to get here. You know, like um, Josh, the, the the nomad business coach, when I talk to him, he'll say something like, oh, do you know what your like monthly expenses are or like what you need to get by? And I'm just kind of like, not really. You know, like I'm doing the other thing and that other thing sort of takes care of the other thing. It's not probably the best business practice, you know. And I've had to learn how to like be a little bit more aware of some of those numbers and use technology because technology is like such a big thing now, you know, like it's, it's kind of like, unfortunately, the next stage of like awareness of life, you know, and, and so we're going to be, we're all going to be robo humans eventually. So yeah, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like robo humans and then and then stars, and then gods. But it'll be well, like... 
to borrow from uh, from Josh's language and his kind of paradigm of, of teaching, um, sounds like you're using the yoga brain. You're you're erring toward the yoga brain over the business brain. He says you have to balance both, but you yeah, know, yeah, I think yeah. if you've got to no, choose one, it's it's got to be the yoga brain. If you're um, if you're doing a yoga business, that's well, that's the crux you know, at least if you're going to do it, do it with like very little expectation in the beginning. You know, like be aware that your decisions are yoga brain oriented, and so you don't expect much in return. Like I expected yeah, to yeah, live. Right. I I I've lived in my studio. You know at times, you know, I lived in it for a year, you know, at some point. So it's like, yeah, just be aware. If you want to make yoga brain decisions, uh, you're going to, something else is going to have to give. And you're going to uh, get yoga, yoga brain consequences. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to get yoga brain consequences, but uh, you know, eventually yeah. it gets and a little bit easier. If the listeners are, are interested in, and more on that kind of topic, you can check out episode number 30. That was Josh Biro's interview. Um, right. Yeah. But Gabe, tell me about what's, what's coming up down the future. I know that you take, take trips down to Mexico with your studio, um, and have all sorts of amazing teachers come to your studio, guest teachers to teach workshops and, and even teacher training. So, um, what's going on with you coming up? You know, um, I could say a lot of cool shit like that, but I'll just like, you know, tell you the thing that, that I, I, I kind of have a, gl- a minor glimpse at, you know, in, into the future. And it's just that, that this yoga thing, we all got to give it away at some point. You know, like we can't charge for it at, at some point. Like it's everywhere, somewhere at some point, we have to figure out a way to just make it free. And make it accessible to everyone. And like, I'm on this idea that if you continue this conversation we're, we're, that we've been on and into the future, it's like, we figured out how to pay the bills. We figured out how to get myself fed. We figure out how to get Tessa fed. We figure out how to get the people that clean the carpets fed. We figure out, how to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and then once yeah. that happens, give the rest of it away. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, it's yoga is i know that it came from like a certain caste system where it's like the people that practice it were pretty affluent and whatnot but it's something that can be of service to other people but my favorite teachers are the least materialist ones you know except for jared i love him um (laughs) (laughs) and and i think he loves shit too you know um but like Everyone, it's like the, the, the people that I'm finding myself really working with, the, the person that I just married, it's like they are just, they just want to serve and give and give back and like not ever make it a numbers game, ever. And so, I don't know, it's, it's, it's an idea that I, I want to make sort of like a very short goal, you know, and, and figure out a way how to do that. A little bit more, you know, whether it's through a non-traditional or, or more traditional nonprofit kind of way, um, I, I kind of almost feel like that's a business in itself, you know, mm-hmm. and and the people that are behind it are sort of benefiting greatly from that because it's, that's usually tied to another business, and so it's just like, no, how do you just like get on the street and like get homeless people into your studio, you know? How do you like literally just 
go to a homeless place and, and say, hey, you guys get free classes, free showers, free towels anytime you want. If we have clothes in the lost and found, we're going to give them to you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I was just speaking to Carolina yeah. Villaba for, th- for this podcast, and she said, like, take a look around Miami. You're going to be surprised at how many homeless people are rocking Lululemon and aloe yoga. And it's because she's doing exactly what you just said. You know, she's oh. just getting yeah, it away. She, that's my cousin, you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> my prima, you know. Big shout out to her because she gets, that's, that's, she gets it, you know. She's got that, that thing in her heart, too. Um, I, I do that. I load up my car with shit from people that leave at my studio all day and I'll roll up at a stop, at a stop red light. And if there's a homeless person out there. I roll down my window and I just give them a handful of like lemon <laughs> clothes, you know, and yoga mats. Like so many people leave yoga mats at studios. Do you, have you ever given a yoga mat, a homeless person a yoga mat? It's, it's, they love it. You know, it's like just how do you just offer it more? And not mm-hmm. charge and just welcome people into the space and not be judgmental of like where they came from, what their background is, what they're going through with a team that will hold the space and union for whoever's there, wherever they came from. You know, um, we're doing free week of yoga the first week of the year. Uh, we did it last year or this year, I should say, in 2018. And it fucking blew me away how many people just came in and, and it was just like the first few days I told the teachers, whoever comes in, just tell them to come back tomorrow. Be like, Hey, we have more classes on the schedule. We got different classes. Come check it out. Come again tomorrow, you know? And that's all we did for a week. We just tried to encourage people to come in more for more for a week. Um, that was cool. You know, that was really, really cool. So we're doing it again this year and we're hoping that we take some of the learnings from last year and really just sort of blow it out of the water this year. And, and there's no reason why there should be a hundred people in every class, you know, mm-hmm. um, anytime, not just during the free week of yoga, you know? Yeah. So I, I think if we can all just figure out how to, how to, how to like do that, you know, unanimously, the, the world would be much, much nicer place, you know? Yeah. You, you know, you said that like, the way that society is moving is, you know, we're all merging with technology, basically, you know, we're all turning into cyborgs. It starts with the cell phone in your hand. That's an extension of your appendages. But Dharma Mitra says technology is a hand of God. And, and, And I really, I believe that, that it doesn't necessarily need to be something that holds us down in the way that it so often can. It really can be a tool for powerful, um, altruistic change. So that's, that's my belief about how, we're eventually going to be able to hopefully scale yoga out to everyone. Um, but what are you doing today, Gabe, to to live that dharma um, and, and make that change, be a part of that change? It's funny. I'm actually figuring out the technology so that I can get free yoga out there. That's something that we didn't do last year. You know, you know, I like the brand stuff. I like the poster stuff. I like the more traditional mediums. Um, but something we didn't do last year was use the internet enough to promote free yoga, you know? And so, you know, we've had uh, a little bit of growth this year to be able to afford us to try to leverage technology this year to be able to kind of get it out there. So my dharma today is that I'm actually, when I get off the phone with you, I, I, I'm gonna go, go, go do a little bit of that, you know? Um, Facebook ads. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, that's, so, but that's like work. And, and I'm gonna do that and, 
you know, just continue to like, just keep that feeling in my heart of like, how, how can we get more people practicing and how can we open up the doors and the space to, to get more people to do it, you know, and, and, and just kind of accept them um, without judgment for, for who they are. And dude, I'm, I'm here at the studio all day. Like when I'm in town, I love coming in here and just keeping the door open and, you know, being the yoga guy. So it's yeah. like, uh, whoever comes through the door, they're like, Hey, they made a, they, they like, Oh my God. It's like if somebody comes through the door. How much like effort did it take? Cause anybody can get yoga anywhere, anytime now, you know, like, yeah. But the fact that like you put on your shoes, you saw when the business hours were, maybe you called, asked to see if they were there, got on the internet, looked up Google Maps, got in your car, came all the way over here and put yourself through that door. It's like, holy shit, I'm here for you. You know, yeah. how can I serve you? So um, I dig that, dude. I dig that, you know, so much. It's, that's my thing. And I'm so happy that you're doing it. And that you're using technology like Dharma Talk to help sort of promote the same thing and, you know, the yoga championship to be able to do the same thing. And I know you teach public classes and everywhere we go, you're turning people on to yoga. So really proud of you, Hen. Like, that's super cool because, yeah, I remember you were collecting the, the corporate check, living the, uh, living the, living the, the clean cut life. Although you're yeah. still very clean cut, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which you should be. But um, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, well, I appreciate yeah. that, and and I yeah. appreciate everything you do too, Gabe. And since you have been listening to this show for for a while, I know that you know it's coming. But I'll say the rules anyway for the benefit of those who may be li- just listening for the first time. So this is the prana round. I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions, and you can answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay, you ready to do it? Yeah, I think so. Just got your sip of water. Yeah. Could you tell? (laughs) All right. Here we go. In one word, why do you practice yoga? Peace. What is your favorite yoga pose and why? Savasana. And it's something that challenges me even 14 years later to be still and just, you know, allow it to take place. It's, yeah. it's still a challenge even now. So it's still my favorite because of that reason. <laughs> the hardest one. <laughs> it's the hardest one. <laughs> what, what is the single best cue or piece of advice you've ever received from a teacher? Oh man, that one's, that one's, hard um there's been so many you know um so many but i i still feel like uh bikram long time ago very long time ago he pretty much said like your stomach is something that you will always have to pay attention to. It blew my mind for so long, you know, like I practiced yoga, not even realizing that there was a stomach and it was something that you use and you had to like, you can contract or you can pull in or, you know, this whole idea of like Uriya Banda, Mula Banda, it was just like, and so I think 
Bikram did the world a service by just telling people to suck their stomach in because <laughs> yeah. fucking nobody can do it, you know? And till this day, it's still the hardest thing that I do. I mean, I'm, sometimes I feel like basically that's what I'm working on, Mulabanda. People work on postures, I just work on Mulabanda, which yeah. is the same thing that happened that moment when Bikram was like, dude, you brush your teeth, suck your stomach in. You're driving your car, suck your stomach in. You're sitting on a plane, suck your stomach in. Like, it's going to save your back. It's going to mm-hmm. save you, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, I don't know, I've heard it a thousand different ways, a thousand times later. It, that was the, the one in the beginning, you know? Suck your stomach in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like when, when, it, when it finally hit, you know, it was like, fucking blew my mind. <laughs> All right, Gabe, recommend one book, either modern or ancient, for our audience. Um, you know, I, I read Jitterbug Perfume not too long ago, and it's like my favorite book right now so far that I've read. I, I love Gabriel Garcia Marquez and his style of reading with a little bit of the fantastical imagination type references and, and just sort of like a, a web of, of stories. And Tom Robbins and Jitterbug Perfume uh, wrote this really cool story that ties to another story, that ties to another story that's part of a big story. And the overall concept is immortality and living forever. And since I read that book, I've been on this kick of immortality. You know, I feel like uh, death is a new thing. It's, it's something that just started maybe a couple thousand years ago, maybe 3,000 years ago. But like before that, it's like it was unheard of. You can live forever. There's no reason why not to you know? Yeah. And so that sent me down the rabbit hole of some other cool books, um, and some other things that I've been reading on immortality. Um, there's this other author by the name of Leonard Orr that I've been kind of checking out. Um, so if, if you want to read a little bit about that, the, um, Jitterbug Perfume is, is kind of a good fictional place to start and then just allow yourself to see what's next. I don't know. Right on. Okay. Yeah. Is yoga for everyone? Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt. There's so many kinds of yoga. And especially now, you know, it's like, shit, if you can't find a yoga for you, fuck, who are you? You know, it's like, it's like, who are you? You know, like, and, and, you know, maybe it's just a little bit of like kindness and empathy and gratitude and compassion and whatever tool to be able to help people become aware of those things mm-hmm. and notice it in themselves and in other people, that, that right there is the yoga, you know? Nice. So, I, I love that. So yeah, That's a great yeah, way to put it. That's yeah, a definitely. great way to put it. Okay, last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you and your dharma? Uh, well... They could uh, follow the yoga page, the studio page on on, on Instagram, Yoga East Austin. Uh, they can always send me an email at Gabriel at Bikram Yoga East Austin. Um, our webpage is yogaeastaustin.com. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm in, I'm in East Austin. My doors are open. And our, I'm usually the one that answers the phone if you call, <laughs> you know, because it's a burner. We still have a burner for the studio phone. And you Sometime, still answer it. Yoga. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I still answer yoga, you know, because I put it in my pocket and I forget and I take it home and someone calls nine o'clock at night. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll just get it. 
yoga. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, now I'm easy to find. We're here. And, uh, yeah, everyone's welcome. So, anytime. Gabe, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today. It was really fun um, connecting with you publicly. And I hope we can, we can continue this conversation again soon. Yeah, thanks, Henry. Really appreciate it. You know, it's a little, a little scary because we've been kind of doing our thing over here. So I don't usually do this kind of stuff, but uh, it was scary. It was fun. And I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Henry. If you got something out of this episode, if you like Dharma Talk and want to keep it going, please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, keep living your dharma.